Talks, a chat with Finance Malta, is the podcast series that gives you short, thoughtful and regular insights from leading experts of the financial services industry. I'm Vanessa MacDonald. Welcome. Welcome to another of the FinTalks series of podcasts by Finance Malta. I'm Vanessa MacDonald and here with me today I have Vince Vella. Vince is the Chief Technical Officer of CompuTime Software, a Maltese company which has been around for quite a long time. But what we're going to be talking about today is not IT in general, but really quite a specific part of it, which is suspicious transaction reporting. Vince, in the old days, when I used to do a lot of of reporting um, for a, a newspaper, we were only talking about banks and transactions at banks. Is that still the case or are a lot of other sectors affected? So, um, way back, probably, yes, you were right. But uh, nowadays, in fact, even looking at our clients, I would think that even if you look at transaction volumes or the flow of transactions across different industries and companies within those industries, I would say that actually banks definitely are not the major kind of um, kind of carriers of transactions. Um, so, for example, just to give you an, an, an indication, for example, by far, um, gaming companies will definitely outweigh big time the number of transactions that they manage on a daily basis. And sort of even to give an indication of um, the volumes that we're speaking about here, so a typical, let's say an average bank locally, we are still speaking about tens or let's say at most hundreds of thousands of transactions a month, right? A month. Um, when we speak about gaming, um, we're speaking about organizations, so even a mid-tier gaming company will be handling around um, 30, 40, 50 million transactions a day. A day. So that obviously, and I mentioned that measure specifically to give an indication of kind of these different industries and, and sort of, you know, how much that argument that the financial institutions um, sort of, you know, are the major carriers, if I want to use that for a better word, let's say, of transactions, they are definitely not the case. And of course, there are other sectors. I mean, nowadays, everybody is expected to look at STRs, including real estate agents and, and, and so yes. on. So it's really grown quite a lot. The thing I think is as well driven as well by the technology and obviously what technology offers to these businesses nowadays. Um, let's say, for example, generally what technology is offering nowadays, everyone is looking to build direct interaction with the customer, right? So even offering a specific, um, let's say, experience to the customer, probably through his mobile. So even like you mentioned uh, real estate. So nowadays, potentially I can sort of do all the searching and start interacting with a real estate company through my, through my mobile, you know? So this idea that basically building a direct link with the customer, nowadays is much more possible. But that obviously leads to much more transactions directly uh, with the customer and obviously widening my potential number of transactions that I can manage with my class, with my customers. So technology itself automatically led to this massive increase of transactions and, and the apart, possibility. Yeah, of course. And apart from that, as you're saying, once you go to online, there are no longer any borders. So you're no longer talking about Maltese legislation and the Maltese jurisdiction. You're talking about cross-border transactions. Doesn't that make it even more complicated? Definitely. So indeed, sort of 
at the simplest, sort of you have to think about it sort of in the simplest form, let's say, so definitely, um, you know, it's like at the first level, yes, because today I could be online, but sort of the company could be, I wouldn't even probably know at, at many cases where the company is, is, is situated, if I'm just a normal client, no, it might be in South America, I wouldn't even know. So I wouldn't even be aware of, let's say, the regulations that the company is adopting. To be fair, not even probably the protection that I might be getting, to be fair, from a consumer perspective now, right? And that is at the first level. At the second level, it makes it even more complex because in many cases, let's say, take the financial institutions, right? So my transaction might not be just one hop, let's say, with one particular country, but my transaction will be can consist of multiple hops uh, through various jurisdictions for whatever reason, right? For whatever reason, but sort of that even makes it more complex that my transaction itself could even be hopping through multiple jurisdictions, which makes it super complex. Look, in the old days, the very old days, we would have just had a ruler and anyone that goes over, I don't know, a million or mm -hmm. 10 million would have been flagged as a suspicious transaction. It's not actually that simple, is it? The thing is that, let's say, if the It's not the amount, exactly, it's, yeah, exactly. Exactly. In fact, if the, if the volumes remained like what we had 20, 30, 40 years ago, probably a normal person would still manage to go through all the steps and processes that we used to do, and through his judgment, let's say, he would manage to evaluate every transaction. Nowadays, with two things actually, which are obviously not helping in this regard. So, one in terms of volume. So, it's one thing getting a few thousand transactions a month, and it's another getting 40 million transactions a day, kind of. So, definitely a human will never be in a position, or you know, even if I had to recruit hundreds of people, we will manage to not, I mean, I won't manage to go through all that. That is one thing, the volume. And secondly, is the technology as well, as I said, is enabling different channels. So, for example, if I'm a bank nowadays, I can offer so many products online. So, the more products and channels that I offer through my mobile, through the website, and potentially even through partners. Now, nowadays, for example, I could be purchasing a car, right? And that uh, company from, from whom I'm, paying, I'm buying the car has an agreement with a bank and without knowing, by buying the car and taking the, the offer of a loan, automatically I am, through that transaction, dealing as well with a third part of it that I even no. Don't, I don't know about. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. So, 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 so look, now we have, and uh, obviously, technology can do this very transparently for the consumer because it's definitely facilitating and improving the uh, the experience with the customer. But it's making transactions more complex for sure. I think one of the problems as well for staff that are trying to, or or any kind of system that's trying to look at this, is that on the one hand you could have transactions which are suspicious, which might go beneath the radar. And you might also have transactions which appear to be suspicious and are actually just false positives. Yes. So it, uh, does, does automation actually solve that issue? Uh, even nowadays, so if you had to sort of look at products which sort of help, let's say, so technology now that helps with the identification of suspicious activity. So the, the most, I would say, difficult um, challenge, right, is what you're saying, is this kind of, this idea of false positive. So basically what we're saying that uh, 
you know, um, if I have, for example, 10,000 transactions a day, if I have a solution which is still highlighting a thousand suspicious transactions a day, I would still have an issue because even with those thousand, I wouldn't be able to manage to go through the top 1,000. Where would you start? I can imagine, you know? yes. So the thing is, so this is still today probably one of the biggest challenges, even today, right? So this is why even like from the regulator's perspective, they push out this idea of this risk-based approach, right? So basically at some point we need to draw a line. So rather than taking an approach where like you're saying, maybe like what used to be done a bit way back, like if I have a transaction more than a million euros, like you're saying, then for me that's suspicious. So nowadays the risk-based approach is a bit like, look at all the factors around this transaction, not just the amount, but like, the pattern, the, for the, example, the, the, yes. The, the, the individual mm -hmm. was affecting this, uh, the beneficiary, mm -hmm. uh, the country from where it's originating, where it's going. Actually, so we have to look at all the factors, and then at some point you have to put some weights. You say, okay, if I had to sort of evaluate this kind of trend and look at all the perspectives, like what's the likelihood of this actually kind of being suspicious? So rather than looking at sort of very simple checks. If something is above a million, then it's suspicious. And those kind of uh, approaches will lead to a lot of false positives. So nowadays, one has to consider all these factors together and put a weighting on all these aspects and come up with a balanced risk-based approach. You're mentioning risk-based approaches. And, um Clearly, whichever jurisdiction you're talking about, whether it's the EU or non-EU and so on, when you're looking at regulatory developments, which there are all the time, um, they tend to take their time because of the consultation process, feedback process and so on. But of course, there is another aspect to uh, anti-money laundering and, and this kind of STRs, which are sanctions, um, which could be imposed there and then, I mean, you know, in a, in a matter of uh, 24 hours. So would automation actually help with things like this as well? Yes, to be fair, so yes, so, so sanctions do happen. In many cases, to be fair, probably people will, sort of, they do not happen over, overnight like a surprise, okay. I would say. So at least sort of the industry would probably be already sensing certain kind of uh, of sanctions on specific countries such as so for example you know, when this war started and obviously a lot of sanctions were brought up vis-a-vis Russia etc so on but I guess people were in a way um, preparing for for such uh, initiatives let's say and but yes on the other hand um, uh, organizations need to be more prepared because it's even, you know, a sanction sometimes sort of even in a large organization, it's not as easy as sort of, you know, uh, clicking a button and suddenly I have all the checks in place. So you still need to be prepared uh, that if changes need to happen, they can happen quickly and obviously as well with the least disruption to the cooperation at the end of the day. Because at the end of the day, some, in many cases, the organization can see these uh, conditions or restrictions as an additional burden on the operation, which means that it can sort of hit their bottom line. So you need to, as much as possible, be prepared to have the least effect um, uh, on the business, whilst at the same time you're in line as much as possible with the regulation. You said those magic two words, bottom line. Mm -hmm. 
And the other two words that I would bring up as well would be customer experience because people see uh, AML, STRs, all of these things as being extra burdens, uh, regulatory burdens that don't actually translate into better profits. Is that correct? Is that the right way of looking mm-hmm. at this? In fact, uh, in many cases, the regulated entities, or not the regulator, but the regulated entities, um, typically you know, have two challenges, right? So there is the challenge what you're mentioning. So basically, it's always a balance for them between, you know, uh, obviously ensuring that they are abiding to all the regulations as set by the regulator, for sure. That's on one angle. And on the other hand, keeping that in balance with uh, their customers. So to give you an example, a simple false positive, let's say if I get a false positive, that typically might, for example, require that I, I conduct an enhanced due diligence on someone. Which means that someone in practice would need to call your customer and start asking questions. And obviously, sort of, you know, in many cases, let's say, uh, it's not appreciated that sort of, you know, one, you delay my transaction, and well, you ask me all those questions. So, it, there is a possibility, if that customer, for example, is, is obviously, let's say, you know, uh, he's not happy about what happened, he might just switch to a competitor. And in certain industries, switching to a competitor is very easy, right? So, a business has to obviously... As long as you're switching to a competitor who is not as finicky about getting things right. But But it's not a case of finicky. You're opening yourself up to all sorts of fines and all kinds of malpractice and so on, which is super dangerous for a company. But so so for them, it's honestly, it's a very difficult balance that they need to manage. Um, so, so obviously, this is why reducing the false positives is super important because I, if I need to go through extra questioning, etc., etc., ideally I do them only where there is really some suspicious activity because otherwise you will definitely be risking um, people switching to competitors. And as you know, how the world is today, sort of, I, and rightly so, probably consumers are often getting served quickly and efficiently. And if that is not the case, they just switch. Right? meaning losing business. That is uh, one challenge that they have. The second challenge is that uh, the regulators in any industry really we're seeing a lot of regulations coming in force and becoming enforced. And regulations, um, you can look at them, so true, we're trying to regulate, but from a bottom line perspective, let's say, they are as well and they are becoming a substantial cost on the regulated entities because uh, to keep yourself up to date, um, purchase systems, employ more people because these things do not happen on their own, right? Plus, find the right qualifications, yeah, I mean, exactly, you, which is obviously another it's problem. Not, That's another of problem. Of course, it's not so, exactly easy. So, it started to become quite a heavy expense as well on the regulated entities to ensure that they can still play in the respective space that, that, that they, they work in. Mm. So, so that is another challenge for, for the regulated entities. And yes, in many cases, they resort as well to IT, right? So use technology, not just uh, sort of, you know, to, to push kind of new products in as well, but as much as possible, try to implement systems to help to at least remain as efficient as possible when it comes to sort of ensuring that I'm in line with regulations. Of course, to crunch all these different factors. Um, when I was uh, sitting in the, the waiting room, 
uh, I realized that Computime has actually got a product uh, which you've named Comply Radar, which I understand is actually designed for this particular purpose. Can you give us any kind of case studies? Has it actually been used by, by anyone that I might have heard of? Yes, yeah, so, so, so firstly, sort of, yes, so, sort of, uh, we have this Comply Radar product which we've probably developing for around the last four or five years now. Oh, gosh. So, so we've sort of went through already kind of uh, quite some cycle of product development and implementations. And, and to be fair, sort of, the, although the, fo- I mean, the focus is on transaction monitoring, but the product itself, in a way, is applied not just for AML purposes, which requires transaction monitoring, but also for fraud detection and also for, in, this, in the case of gaming only, for responsible game, for responsible gaming, as well. um, and the, the thing is that for these three areas, although they are different, um, let's say from a technology perspective, the three of them uh, require an element of looking at transactions, be able to monitor patterns um, of what's happening, and handling handling the volumes of transactions as they are coming in, so as a stream, and a caption based on what this solution is kind of identifying or classifying as suspicious, something suspicious. Um, so when it comes to, so, so, so we play in those three areas, let's say, that's where we work uh, with this product. And when it comes to use cases, um, so for example, we can mention a recent one, which is EM Bank, which is a Lithuanian bank. Which an online bank, I presume. It is an online bank, yeah. um, where basically we implemented um, comply data for, for anti-money laundering purposes and basically the way the process works so basically once we deploy our solution right so the solution is acting let's say as the frontline kind of um, person kind of representing a person which is looking at all the thousands of transactions flowing in in real time right once it identifies something suspicious right that is uh, highlighted to um, some uh, particular teams, in this case AML team kind of internally, where they can actually conduct some further uh, investigation of the transaction. So the system will present kind of an, uh, like an alert to the individual telling him like, look, there is this transaction and for reason A, B and Z and will present the reasons. We tell him like, we believe that this transaction is suspicious. Just a small bracket here, because this as well, as well kind of um, hooks up it as well with um, the rights that the consumer has. And sometimes it's, it's a challenging part, but one has to keep in mind as well that part. So it's not just um, um, it's not just the highlighting of a suspicious activity, but the solution needs to explain as well why. Why? Because the consumer has the right to know why. He has the right to know why. He can't just stop an activity, but he has the right to know why. Um, so we handle that investigation part as well within the solution. So it keeps track of all, of all the investigations that need to happen and how they happened, who did them, etc. Et and then the solution as well helps the clients so if they wish to report the individual or the customer in this case to the regulator then the solution would need to export that information about the customer to the regulator and then the regulator will actually continue the investigation from that level onwards. Very complex, but everyone seems to be well, well, well aware of the dangers of not complying. Vince, thank you so much for being with us.
Thank you. That's all for today. Subscribe now to the FinTalks and follow Finance Malta on all social media platforms to stay updated with all our activities. Till the next podcast.